Hello and welcome to the Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, and I'm a functional medicine pharmacist in New York, as well as an integrative health coach and clinical herbalist. I'm pleased to go into season three of this podcast and continue to bring on other holistic-minded pharmacists and healthcare professionals to the show. I'm constantly inspired by my guests and their stories and love sharing their points of view with you all. Please enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. I'm delighted to bring on another wonderful and innovative pharmacist with a huge heart on the show today. We had connected on social media on sharing similar views about the role pharmacists can and should play in the community. Dr. Maria Gluchowski has been a pharmacist for the past 11 years, clinical educator across many disease states, and a clinical instructor at a doctor of pharmacy program. She taught many diabetes and hypertension seminars to her patients over the years and has discovered everyone needs support and encouragement to succeed in their journey to better health. Dr. Maria is a prescription monograph reviewer and editor at a top telehealth company, plushcare.com, and a contributing author for PACS, panicandanxiety.org. She loves medical writing and contributing to projects that will impact others to make a difference. She's currently working on publishing a children's book to promote mental health in children and their health self-esteem. She has supported and counseled hundreds of patients on medications and used to treat anxiety disorder and many other disorders using non-pharmacological interventions to help aid anxiety symptoms. She prides herself in helping and supporting patients and everyone around her in any way she can and fights to help them in any way she can, whether it's for the cost of their medication or the disease state that they're facing. Due to many stressful situations in her career, she has personally experienced burnout due to everyday job-related stress factors. It's become her passion to support, counsel, and provide hope to other healthcare professionals and everyone that may be in a similar situation and promote mental health. The important message she wants everyone to know is to never be afraid or reluctant to ask for help, whether it's from family, friends, or your medical provider never lose hope and just know you're one step away from overcoming this. Dr. Maria's most recent endeavor is a podcast she founded. Lifted from the script shares her faith to encourage, inspire, motivate, and educate other pharmacists through her struggles. The podcast will discuss mental health, faith, encouragement for lifestyle modifications to control chronic disease states and to reignite a passion of how we can persevere and serve others. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Maria to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to launch this next episode of the Raw Fork podcast. I have with me today Dr. Maria Glukowski. She is the pharmacist who uplifts. She just launched that on uh, social media a couple of weeks ago. So I'm super excited to have her on here and she can share more about her journey. So welcome. Thank you so much. A couple months overdue, but thank you for waiting for me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, no problem. It's so crazy. I just keep finding more and more pharmacists with similar visions and views on things and like more interested in holistic and integrative approach and functional medicine. So it's really exciting. It just like keeps expanding and growing. 
which it should be because there's so many things we have to share and it's awesome that you're doing that you're sharing everybody's story and I, I i mean i've been watching your interviews and inspired me and there's so many other holistic ways and non-prescription you know ways and not that i'm against prescription medication but there's always something else that you can try you know for patients that are borderline or you know borderline diabetics that can really really benefit from this so it's awesome that you're doing this yeah, thank you. I, I love it. You know, I also learned something new and I'm just constantly inspired by everyone who comes on. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, you know, where you grew up, um, how you came to be a pharmacist in the first place? Yeah, so I'm originally from Ukraine, um, immigrant pharmacist, and I came to America when I was seven and a half and I came to school and I loved math and I loved science and I got to high school and I came across chemistry and biology and I gave up for you. And I remember uh, one of my earliest kind of patient interaction, I came uh, to the pharmacy with somebody to translate for them, for somebody, you know, could not speak English. And I saw how the pharmacist interacted with, you know, my friend that I went to translate for. And it was very kind of like not, not very patient friendly. It was very cold. It's like, here's your medication. See you later. And I was like, whoa, what if, you know, what if my friend has questions about it? And it was actually an elderly patient. And I looked at the pharmacy and I looked at every bottle and I said, one day I'm going to know the name of every single bottle and I'm going to know everything about that medication. And I'm just going to counsel my patients, whether I go into medical school, pharmacy, or whatever uh, career path I choose, I really wanted to be that patient advocate, that patient counseling pharmacist. And it's funny, later uh, when I got to pharmacy school and I was like struggling, paying the bills, loans, and there was actually counseling competition and just my passion for patient education and talking to my patient, treating them as family. I, you know, I won that counseling competition and a free trip and I got to nationally represent my pharmacy school. So it, I, I thought about more and more where it started and yeah, and it's, it's amazing where you, where you can end up, where you put the patient first. Wow, yeah, that's really amazing. Congratulations on Thank that. So Where was your trip to? It was APHA San Diego. So it was, uh, got to represent my pharmacy school at the APHA conference. That's so cool. Yeah, so, and then um, I wanted to practice in a setting where either an independent or a brand new pharmacy where I can kind of run it patient centered, where I can get to know the patient's name, uh, get to know their disease state, get to know their blood work. Um, and I started out um, in a kind of franchise, privately independent owned pharmacy, and it was brand new. So I got to run it in a way that I wanted to, literally, just like I said. So I got to keep a file on my patients. I knew their names. I knew their disease states. I knew you know, when their dose was supposed to be changed or increased or decreased uh, based on their diet. And I started these classes 12 years ago and I was like, oh, let's see if, you know, anybody will show up. And my first class, we had about 40, 43 patients and it was amazing. Like we started wow. the class, um, it was for diabetes. Yeah, I, I was shocked myself, you know, when everybody showed up, I was like, wow, this is so needed because it was just kind of like a test trial. I presented a um, presentation on diabetes and I really wanted to target those patients who were borderline at first and then the class ended with hugs and tears and some people didn't even use the pharmacy they brought their moms their neighbors over later they transfer all the prescriptions to the pharmacy and i just saw how much it was needed and i started to educate on hypertension osteoporosis um and then a little bit after that i wanted to teach and i i thought i was going to go back to a residency and i said let me just 
go see, you know, if I can teach at the University Pharmacy School without a residency. So there was a position for a clinical instructor and uh, the vice dean did take a chance on me and I went to do that for almost two years. Um, and I was able to do all of this before kids. And then when I had my first baby, I couldn't do so many things at once. So I left the university and I went part-time uh, retail and I still continued to do all these programs and get to know my patients. And it was, it was pretty amazing. Wow, wow, that's already quite a journey. Um, I love I love that you just like pinpointed these uh, memories that yeah, really yeah. you on the path and then you took a chance on things and like uh, things panned out uh, and then the way you saw it in, in your head happened in real life. Yeah, absolutely. And I encourage anyone that is listening, sometimes we're our biggest enemy. We say, oh, I can't do this or I can't say, you know, do this uh, with patients or, you know, if you see a need that you think your patients will benefit for, go for it. Try to start a program or a seminar and I guarantee you it's gonna turn into something really amazing and your patients are really gonna benefit from it. Yeah, and so I wanna know uh, what did those seminars kind of look like? Did you educate on uh, disease state, non-pharmacological, pharmacological approaches? Like how did how did you? Uh, sure, that's, that's a great question. So the pharmacy that we're working for, it's actually a supermarket. So that was amazing because we can integrate the foods and the exercise and the lifestyle modifications. So um, a lot of my patients were beginners. So literally some surprisingly had diabetes for seven years and didn't know much about the disease state at all. And some knew a lot, but still I wanted to teach them things that no one sat down to teach them. So, for example, I would go through the symptoms, the signs and symptoms of diabetes, all the blood work that needs to be monitored. I would say know your ABCs. Um, I'm sorry, just like you know your ABCs, your alphabet, know your numbers, your hypertension numbers, your blood pressure, your A1C number, your cholesterol, because it's just this one big bubble that, you know, it's not just your A1C. If you're a diabetic, you want to prevent complications. And I literally would stress to them that diabetes affects every organ of the body. And I, when I said that, there was like silence, you know, and uh, two, what my, one of my very first few classes, two women just started crying and they said, we didn't know that until now. You know, she, one lady had, um, she had an amputation on her toe and the other one had almost like severe blindness. And she came with, you know, a friend that brought her to the class. So I wanted to stress that. So I went through the disease state, the symptoms, uh, what you can do. And uh, the last couple of years I actually brought a nutritionist on board to help me teach the class because I did the nutrition and we actually went through the supermarket and I showed them the foods that can help them feel better, keep their diabetes uh, more stable, their glucose more stable for their, not to have those ups and downs. A lot of them were hospitalized. Believe it or not, some didn't even know that you can have glucose tablets on hand. Um, for one patient, I had to call the ambulance three times because they didn't have any you know, fructose on hand. And when their glucose fell low, they just kind of passed out. So a lot of these little things to help complications, I made sure some of them needed help to uh, make appointments, you know, to check their eyes, to make sure their kidneys are all right, and just teach them to the best way to control their diabetes and everything they can do to prevent the complications, the serious complications, and some of them already have or had. Wow. That's amazing that they had you. Yeah, and, and that's why I think whoever's listening, I know you guys see those patients that are struggling. And sometimes nobody really sits down and talks about these things. You know, they go from doctor to doctor and they just don't have that much time. You know, unfortunately, it's just sometimes how the system works. 
So we as pharmacists, we're right there. You know, I know it's really stressful sometimes with COVID, the flu shots, flu season coming up. But if you have that time to dedicate, you know, maybe ask corporate or ask your owners, if it's a private independent, to see, just set aside maybe a clinic, you know, for patients to come in to answer their questions, to bring their blood work, because we can do all these things and just counsel them on it and really help them with that. And again, I guarantee you what you're going to see is it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I think the number one question or hurdle that comes to mind is like that we're spending our time doing this. Um, and is there a way to get reimbursed for these services? Like, how did you go about that? Yeah, so um, unfortunately, I or fortunately, I never believed in charging my patients at this point because I worked in some pharmacies in a very underserved neighborhood. So literally, if I charged for a class, some families, unfortunately, would have to pick between the class and a carton of milk. And I always wanted to give them that access and just provide it for free to have these classes and education for free for them. And I know a lot of pharmacists are, you know, starting their practice and are billing for it. For now, at this point in my life and career, I, I just love doing it free of charge and just giving them that access and giving them that time and just just being them being appreciative of it and their hugs and their family coming in saying, hey, they're they're so inspired. Hey, their A1C has been stable. Hey, their, you know, their vision has been stable. They lost some weight. They're eating much healthier like that. That that for me is my payment right there. Wow. Yeah, that's a very gratifying to hear that. Um, so do you still run these kind of seminars? Do you still teach? Yeah. What does what your life look like now? Yeah, so right before COVID, we did. And with COVID, we had to stop it for a couple of months, uh, kind of because they put the limits, how many people we would have a conference room. And if I had like 40 patients in one room, we weren't able to have that. So hopefully we're uh, going to restart about maybe October, November. So that was, you know, that was kind of sad for me because we had to stop those classes. And, yeah. a, and a lot of times I would hold like clinics, uh, literally we used to call them back in the day pharmacy school, brown bag clinics. So literally people would come, uh, the elderly, they would have like 20 medications and they would just sprawl all their medications out and we'd go through them one by one and I would just counsel them and how to take it. And it's amazing, they'll say, oh, I never knew that. That's why I was feeling so drowsy. I should have taken it at night or before food and after food. So all of this, we stopped for a few months, but hopefully we can resume it in October. Yeah. And I mean, I guess now that we're more innovative, we can try to hold like online seminars too. Um, that's another option. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Um, but some patients, again, based on the neighborhood, they may not even have the equipment to do the online um, assessments that I would ask them to assess their health or have that access. But that's definitely, definitely an option. Yeah, for the future. So do you still teach at the university? And I know you also do medical writing. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So with my first baby, I left, but hopefully I can go back in a year. Um, kind of everything got so busy after the second child. And medical writing, I started that about a year ago. And again, I wanted to take on projects that were super important to me. So at pharmacy level and at the university, I, I love making an impact. So I wanted to serve writing about certain projects that more people are going to have access to this data. So one of the first few projects I took on for was for mental health. And I saw a lot of pharmacists uh, kind of getting burned out. And especially with COVID, I saw one physician, it's so sad, but took their life, you know, because of the burnout, everything that we're going through. And this, uh, the CEO of the website, um, it's PACS, panicandanxiety.org. 
it was meant for the general population. And I said, hey, let's put a little, you know, spot in there for medical professionals. And I started talking about um, mental health and things like that. So he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And I got such awesome feedback because I, I don't think it's talked enough of. Um, I started taking projects for chronic care management, uh, little brochures for patients, for pharmacies, for protocols, chronic care management, and integrating to that where patients, more patients, and just the general population can access and learn more and integrate in their health. So that was, it, it was an amazing journey. So usually I'm like, I, I was always limiting my things, but because my classes, we cut them out for a few months, I said, you know, let's see what I can do to make an impact on a kind of greater scale and to talk about all the things that I've seen, you know, to kind of put it out more for people to hear and read more and to have a, you know, great benefit from that. So did you find like companies that you wanted, wanted to pitch your ideas to, or did you get hired by one particular company? Yeah. So it started out by, I just put my resume online and I just kind of started founders reaching out to me and then they start introducing me to other people, to other founders. And it kind of just tumbled from there. And I was never really a big fan of social media. Uh, the past uh, year I did get on LinkedIn and just from that, from networking and people kind of coming across my work and then just introducing me from other projects and it kind of just leads to more and more projects. Um, so if someone's passionate about one project and they said, hey, I, I really like your work and I think it's important. They said, do you want to work you know, on this project with me? And it kind of goes from there. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, what I see so far is that like money is not a driving force for you. It's more like that impacts that you want to make on your patients and um, even on other medical professionals. So that's like the driving force. And then from there, the pieces of the puzzle just fit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, once you find a way to help your patients with your knowledge, with your experience, with the passion, the money will follow. I guarantee you, you know, if your heart is in the right place, that's what I believe. And yeah, and you, I didn't think of it, you know, as money-wise. I said, hey, let me start it on the side. But yeah, um, I think once your heart is in the right place, the, the money will follow. Yeah. Um, so I also wanted to ask you, you know, what role faith plays in your life because you are known as the uplifting or who uplifts. So, you know, I'm, I'm sensing like a faith driven theme as well. Yeah. Um, and what your take is on natural and preventative medicine. Yeah. So um, I took a class in pharmacy school called natural herbal products. And that was so exciting. I remember the first day we were there with other pharmacy students and I said, wow, there's others like me. You know, we did presentations on all the natural alternative medicine versus, you know, us sitting in the big lecture hall and learning only about drugs. And I said, wow, this is so amazing. And I think I started practicing also, like I had one baby, um, she was about three and a half months old and she had a really bad rash. And I literally every month I compounded this cream for her and she had this crazy, the mom had this crazy copay. And, you know, she so when I came one day and um, it was my first time compounding for her, other pharmacists did it before. And I said, Hey, you know, what's going on? You know, you, you know, what kind of rash is this? You know, this, this cream. And she said, yeah. And she showed me the rash. And I, I thought about all the chemicals and everything we learn in natural herbal products. And I literally recommended her to switch it to um, a more natural diaper with no chlorine and all the chemicals that kind of take off that protective layer. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hey, why don't you try to use some shea butter and coconut oil, just kind of replenish that uh, barrier and skin. And it, it was amazing. And she kind of looked at me and she's like, you're a pharmacist, you're recommending this. And I said, Hey, why don't, why don't you just try it? And literally a week later she came and she showed me um, the butt rash and it was completely gone. Um, so it, it was so, I was a little hesitant to kind of recommend it first, but, but she said, please, can you help me 
you know, with anything else. And sometimes we're kind of hesitant to, you know, recommend something that's more natural. And she was so grateful. And I kind of started, you know, for other patients, I said, you know, hey, look into this or look into that. And from that, my faith um, has been always a driving part in patient care, uh, my faith in God, and just kind of taking each patient as my, you know, as if they were a family member, because I know the day may come, you know, God forbid, where we may be sick. And I always say, how would I want my pharmacist or my physician to treat me when I came to the pharmacy? Would I want them just to hand out my medication and see, say, see you later, not answer any questions, not encourage me, not to make sure, you know, to tell me to take it with food or without food. So um, the past year, as I was on social media, I said, you know, I'm no longer just a pharmacist that loves, you know, more natural herbal products. I'm also a pharmacist that has a deep faith in God. And I wanted to put that out there and to show why I practice the way I practice. And recently I formed a panel, uh, it's four pharmacists and a physician, and they are all in the same wavelength and all of them have such a heart to help patients. And we love counseling people on food, on lifestyle modifications. And I started this podcast to talk about our struggles, to talk about what we've seen for me in the last 12 years, what really worked for my patients, to integrate it into other people watching, whether they're pharmacists, physicians, or just the general public, things that they can incorporate in their own life or incorporate in their, you know, their patient care, again, whatever field that they are in. And um, the first, uh, we did a promo video and I did some posts and there was one post had like seven, 8,000 views. And I, I was so surprised myself, but people are looking for this, you know, this encouragement, uh, take some patients that we've seen in a pharmacy level. And some say, oh, I'm such a brutal diabetic. There's nothing I can do. And I said, well, do you want to lose more toes? God forbid. They said, no. I said, well, you have to do something. Take baby steps. So we want to encourage the viewers and the listeners to take those baby steps, to try to um, change anything, just literally making one small uh, change in their diet or exercise plan. And I named it Lifted from the Scripts because literally starting coming to America, I, I felt like God lifted me from every terrible situation and I feel like it's it's my duty and my passion, and my calling to lift others. So it's it's been really, really interesting journey. But yeah, that's kind of a brief summary of that. Yeah, I love that. So can you tell us more about how the whole panel works? Is it that you're collaborating on uh, spreading information and sharing it on the podcast? Or are you doing like one-on-one uh, -on -one counseling? Like how does... Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. So it's it's pretty much a panel and I bring up topics and we all talk about our experiences and what really helped our patients um, in the patient room, you know, with Dr. Harris or um, in at the pharmacy level, the patients that we've seen. And sometimes we have problem patients where we're like, you know, how, how do we handle this? So we really talk about the struggles and how we handle it. And sometimes um, we talk about the the struggle patients, the hard patients, how they became the nicest patients. We talk about literally what we told our patients to help them with that push to take control of that health, whatever encouraged them the most. Uh, we start talking about mental health, also how to take care of ourselves, because I think we're so busy taking care of ourselves. We, I'm sorry, our patients that we don't take care of ourselves. So we briefly talk about also how we have to remember to take care of ourselves, not to get burnout. You know, one of the most popular topics going on right now with everything that they kind of told the pharmacist to do and all the duties that, you know, we have to do right now. And we are going to take uh, feedback from viewers. Uh, we already got a lot of topics 
uh, through private messages uh, to tackle that. So, and we're going to have some surprise guests, you know, to talk about their journey and how they were able to help uh, their patients and struggles. And I think sometimes even personally, when you see someone struggle and overcome something that will give you such inspiration to let you know, just kind of keep moving wherever step of your life you are just to get up and keep moving. Yeah, that's so awesome. So is it like a talk show uh, format? Yeah. Everybody yeah. kind of chimes in? Yep, yep. We go one by one and I said, hey, you know, I had this patient, I had this, and this is the topic. And uh, they all have amazing backgrounds and they have such a strong heart to serve. They say, I, the first episode we recorded, it was to uplift others. And I was sitting there myself, just so blown away what every one of them had to say and like literally changed my life after one episode. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That sounds amazing. So it's like a video format and then there's also an audio version. Yep. yep. We're going to do video and audio. Correct. Yeah. That is so, so cool. I'm like super excited now. I have to go check that out. Yeah, thank you so much. And usually uh, before all this, again, I wasn't a big fan of social media. I was a very private person. But as I started talking about certain things and saying, oh, thank you for talking about that. Like on this podcast, I talk about mental health and literally it took me a week just to respond to messages from pharmacists, just everybody around the world. And I said, I can't be so private or shy anymore. I definitely have to talk about issues that are, you know, are helping others, not putting a stigma on it. Like that was the biggest feedback that I got. That's such a stigma on certain things that pharmacists are not talking about. So thank you so much for talking and bring it out there. Yeah. And, and also I wanted to create a, an environment for support, supporting each other. Sometimes again, pharmacists are not talking about certain issues. And when we are kind of bringing it out there to say, hey, I've been through this, I've been through this struggle and I made it and this is how I dealt with it. And again, just to create that um, space or that environment that we feel that support from each other, which I, I wish I had like 12 years ago, starting out as the pharmacist where, you know, it's, it's an interesting profession where one day you're a pharmacy intern, pharmacy student, the next day you wake up, you have your license and you have this whole pharmacy that you're, you know, the boss of and everyone's listening to everything that you say. Yeah. Like you carry a lot of responsibility overnight. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I totally agree about like the stigma of mental health and how, you know, the way it's approached, especially in this country is you know, different from other approaches. Um, you know, everybody wants to kind of like hide the fact that something is going on, that they're depressed or anxious because it's not accepted and it is considered like shameful that why can't you just, you know, control your emotions um, or, people that have to take uh, pills in order to to feel better and, you know, regulate their own neurotransmitters. So uh, what is, you know, your approach to that uh, mental health piece of it is, you know, do you think that drugs are the solution? Do you think there are other ways uh, of looking at it? Yeah, so depending, so I'm not a psychiatrist or professional or a physician, but there's a lot of things where the, you know, patients came to my pharmacy and the doctor said, hey, you know, he's going to give me six months to try to see if I'm feeling better with anxiety or panic disorder, uh, whatever the patient was diagnosed with. And sometimes, um, you know, the patient is really willing to try things. Um, you know, I say, hey, are you exercising? No, not really. You know, I have a job from home. I said, start exercising, start talking to somebody. Sometimes I think it's human nature. 
everything in our head kind of seems like a big problem. And then we start talking to somebody and say, hey, it's not, it's not that bad. And just by talking to somebody, whether they choose to talk to a professional or a friend or a colleague, um, you know, talking to another pharmacist, having a mentor is amazing because they're going to tell you what they went through and they're going to say, this is how I dealt with it. And they give really, really good advice. Um, and if it's a non-medical professional, you know, talking to somebody again that they can trust to put their problem on the table and see if that will help. And just kind of meditating or praying for me, prayer is everything. And I say, hey, have you prayed? That really calms you down. Uh, get around in nature. It's interesting. There are this um, one study that was done um, in Japan and they took these males and they said once they were in nature, their blood pressure went down, their heart rate went down, their cortisol levels went down. Get yourself out there in a peaceful setting and kind of just run, exercise, think about everything and see if that will work. Um, and there's something else, um, basically, well, when we talk about drugs, I mean, I know sometimes the patient may need drugs or whoever it is, but that's up to the, you know, the patient physician, but I definitely recommend trying all those things. Yeah, I talk a lot about nature therapy and another episode um, of the show, a couple of ex episodes ago, actually, we, we spoke about it. And so I completely agree, you know, I think unless you address everything that put the person in that state, uh, you know, fixing it from the inside out with the chemistry of the body is one approach, but another approach is also like figuring out all the factors that got them to where they are and kind of untangling that and seeing what we can do to remedy it. And also like what you were saying about sharing and and mentoring, I think that is very important because when you feel like you're the only one suffering from a problem, it kind of alienates and isolates you and you feel like there's something wrong with just you, you know, you're the problem. But when you see that everybody else is dealing with that and, you know, it's much more widespread and much um, more common than you think, then you realize like, actually, you know, maybe this is, you know, this is kind of normal. I'm in the normal spectrum and I can't fix it, you know, and, and I could figure out how because all these other people also figured out how. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not just sometimes, um, you know, I, I, I heard from my patients that, again, the physician, it just doesn't have time to sit down and talk and say, hey, here's a prescription. And again, um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the patient and the physician can decide that. But it's those patients that want to try other things. Um, they want to take, again, you know, their body is not just one thing as a whole. What's going on? Are there stress factors? Was it a situation that happened? Are they willing to talk to somebody to get wisdom and to get input to see possibly something else, you know, that may help them? So I think that's, that's really important what you said. Yeah, you know, I think I just struggle with the fact that, you know, we are taught as pharmacists about all these uh, lifestyle and dietary means of helping our patients, you know, the non-pharmacological is always first line, but typically we don't see that in practice. We always see like, oh, like it's so much easier to take a pill, you know, nobody's going to even put in the work to do all the other stuff. So let's just skip that step. But, you know, I, I don't think it's explored enough um, and encouraged enough. Like if we have like these, you know, health coaches or people who support um, us trying to make healthier choices and building that consistency in those habits, that is when results can, you know, can happen. If you, you know, automatically assume they won't work and you won't put in any effort into it, obviously, you know, it, it's going to fail. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And I always say, um, you know, to the, my patients, you're your biggest health advocate. 
you know, if you, you have to be involved, you have to know, for example, I would say to one patient, hey, what's your A1C number? Oh, my doctor knows it's somewhere in the office. You know, they said it's okay. It could, could be better. I said, no, you have to know your A1C number. So again, be your biggest advocate. Know the alternative options. Talk to people that may introduce you to other people that may help you or been through the same thing or may, you know, may know of other options that may help you. So I, I totally agree with that. And that's super, super important what you just said. Yeah. And I also want to uh, talk a little bit about a personal level. Like what drives you to advocate like this for your patients and to teach them um, and to like see healthcare in this way? Yeah, that's a great question. I think just over the years, um, as what I've seen, for example, immigrant population or not even people that have no medical background. I've seen when we were um, on hospital rotations at, in pharmacy school, I saw the difference whether say patient comes in a room not knowing anything versus say an elderly patient comes with a daughter or son as, as their advocate, mm -hmm. has a list of questions. You know, the, that list of questions may save that patient's life. Um, that list of questions may prevent hospitalization. And I just said, I want to be that advocate. Um, I want to be that person starting again from high school where I saw the pharmacist didn't counsel the person because the person didn't know English. I want to see, um, I want to see, the, I, I want to be the change that, you know, I want to see in the profession. And I, I thought that was so important for me to teach at a pharmacy school because years later I was at the pharmacy um, and it was, the pharmacy was almost closing and I got a phone call and it was for a transfer. And the student asked me three times, like of some, you know, some drug names. And I said, wow, that's great because they're like, look alike, sound alike names. He's like, yeah, you know, I had an instructor at the pharmacy school, um, you know, that taught me that, you know, to make sure, you know, I take care of my patients. And that hit me so hard too, because we can make that impact, especially when we're preceptors, where we teach at the pharmacy, uh, University of Pharmacy School or at pharmacy level, you know, our students are watching us and they are going to be the next generation, how we want you know, them to practice, you know, to protect our patients and, you know, be their advocate. And I think the biggest driving force too, as I saw what the impact it had on my patients and their health and their gratitude for me, just kind of uh, pushed me to go forward and to do better and better. And again, I said, you know, what if it's my mom or dad coming to the pharmacy? How would I treat them? Would I treat them differently than somebody else? So I try to literally provide the care that I would to family. And, um, you know, just that, just that gratitude. And again, some people are, are at the lowest point of their lives. And we talk about that in the podcast, whether they got a cancer diagnosis, whether they got a terminal uh, ill disease or somebody in their family member, and we're here, we can give them that hug, we can listen to them, we can give them that advice that may prevent them from getting rehospitalized or helping them on a strong recovery, you know, towards a better health outcome. So again, we're here where we have this option, we can practice a certain way. And you know, that's the way I choose to practice. And um, hopefully, you know, all the students and everyone that I come into contact with, they see that. And that kind of changes their heart to practice in that way also. Yeah, I had some great teachers also that, you know, uh, taught us the value of consulting and um, connecting with our patients. And like you said, like we're in, the position to do so and we have the opportunity um, and basically we're trained to do that you know we're not trained to just count pills and put them in bottles we're trained to educate our patients and um, con consult them and console them and 
that's what I personally love about like the retail face-to-face -face setting um, as opposed to other settings is that patient component is usually the reason people go into retail. You know, it's not because we want to like go sit in the back and work for 12 hours a day. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that was my driving force also to have that patient interaction and provide that patient care. So, and, and it's interesting, um, some students may say that, say, oh, you know, pharmacists and retail are not just counting pills. You're providing an amazing service that I see, you know, that really is changing lives. And they said, hey, this is the way I want to practice. So, yeah, it, it's super important because a lot of students are watching us. Uh, patients are watching us and we represent the pharmacy profession. So we literally can choose how we are viewed, how we are trusted, um, how we can impact our patient lives. Yeah. So what about in your personal and family life? Uh, what type of products and practices do you employ for your own family? Yeah, so um, especially before having babies, I literally starting research and I started reading and I threw out all my makeup Half of my food, we started, we literally had to reteach ourselves how to eat uh, because I, I was so busy working. I just say kind of junk food all the time. And I said, okay, you know, if there's going to be a baby coming along. So um, we read labels on everything. We're like that weird family in the supermarket that's reading, like my kids are turning the labels around and reading uh, if it's, you know, non-GMO, if it's unprocessed, the sugar content. We try to cook a lot. We're huge uh, fans of gardening. So we have our own garden and tons of berries and make salads from our own veggies. And I want my kids to see that, you know, kind of to have, you know, tomato in your garden that smells like a real tomato. As yeah. far as products goes, uh, we make our own homemade deodorant. Like my girls love compounding, they're pharmacist daughters. And um, yeah, they make our own deodorant. Um, and especially I started uh, in pharmacy school when I came across like say breast cancer, my grandma and her twin sister both had it. And wow. as I started to research, you know, certain things to avoid and our lymph nodes, especially for women, um, I started making my own deodorant, which is super, super easy. Just three ingredients, baking soda, shea butter, and whatever essential oil, say peppermint. And actually I have a funny story about that. We were sitting at a party and my friend's like, oh, somebody is eating a peppermint candy. And I was like, no, that's my deodorant. <laughs> so if you ever meet me and you smell peppermint um, or peppermint candy, that's just my deodorant. So we try to eat it as uh, healthy as possible, as organic as possible. We cook a lot. We avoid unprocessed foods. And we try to encourage others to do that, you know, whether it's in the pharmacy or friends and family and try to do our best um, to implicate that in our family also. Yeah, that's really amazing. So where did you say you live? Uh, where can you afford yourself a nice vast garden? I, I can afford myself just a small balcony, which I'm blessed to have even here in New York. Well, you know, you'd be surprised with a balcony. Um, I have a friend that also lives in New York. You can do a lot. Like she has tomatoes, she has basil, she has peppermint. Uh, we came to her house a few years ago and she made us a little sandwich with literally like cheese and bread and she took a piece of basil off her uh, window. <laughs> so whatever space you have, you can always kind of research um, the environment and what it grows in and you can, you can actually probably grow a few things. Yeah, I'm going to definitely have to look into that <laughs> because, um, you know, even though I'm an herbalist, I don't have the best green thumb. I think you just have to keep on trying and like seeing what because all plants are different. So seeing what the plant likes, does it like light, does it like moisture, you know, and just like play around and read about it and experiment. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. You, some things are not very picky, some plants, and you can make a little salad. And like peppermint grows through December. So literally, I make peppermint tea out of my own peppermint. So that's fun. But definitely research it and look into all the things you can plant because you can definitely do it. <laughs> and yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. So uh, I know you also have another story about berries. Would yeah. You sharing that. Oh, I would love to. Yeah. One day I said, I, I wish I could share my story to help anyone that's watching. But as a kid, I never had tonsil problems. And a few years ago, my daughter started um, kindergarten and I literally just starting having tonsillitis for, I had it about for nine months and I never went to the doctors, but literally urgent care became my best friend. You know, I would go in and they would swab my throat. It was, it was not strep throat. They're like viral, viral, viral. If you want to try an antibiotic and nothing would really help. Mm -hmm. And um, all the doctors said, okay, you're just going to get tonsillectomy. And I said, there's no way. I never had tonsil problems. There's no way. And I found this amazing physician um, in Yardley, Pennsylvania, and he went to Hopkins years ago and he said just hang in there you know you're exposed to different viruses you know your body just has to get used to it and the younger physicians they were like all right let's schedule surgery let's get those out you know i had like glandular fevers i was really just super super miserable and i just kept reading and reading and trying to research everything i gargled that wasn't helping and around the end of the year may i literally my garden had berries already so i had choke berries or aronia berries and i had white and black and red currants and I said, oh, let's go eat some. And I literally ate like 15 of them. And I woke up in the morning. I didn't have a glandular fever. My tonsils were not as swollen. And I was like, there's no way. Maybe, maybe my, you know, my glands are going away. And the next day I also ate them. And I ate them for three days. And like my glands, like the whole inflammation just completely went away. And as I started to read about the potent effects of these berries, I know this all sounds, you know, crazy, but they're antibacterial, they're antiviral, they're anti-inflammatory. And I literally, till this day, three years later, had no problems with my glands. And I started to use them kind of for the winter season for cough. And I did like my own little study with friends and neighbors last winter, about 30 patients, I would say, friends and family members. They were super sick, super severe cough. I had some uh, friends and neighbors, several of them had uh, cancer and they were cancer survivors. And I said, why don't you go and get some frozen berries, whatever you can find, blackberries, chokeberries, uh, order them online, just eat them. And it was amazing. Like within a few days, their fevers would go away. Um, one friend, she, she went through three bottles of cough medicine and it just, her cough would not go away. Like on the third or second day by eating the berries, like her cough just completely disappeared. So if anyone is listening at all and as an adult, they have tonsillitis and they have this issue, definitely try um, berries, you know, to give your immune system that boost. Uh, you know, again, viral, antiviral, antibacterial effects. It's, it's pretty amazing. So I definitely wanted to share that. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like an amazing case study. You should publish it. <laughs> sure. um, that sounds really great. Uh, I know that, you know, berries are high in vitamin C and antioxidants. Uh, you know, rose hips are also great for that. Um, in my, you know, herbal studies, pokeberry is like a very, very potent lymphagog. Yeah. So it moves the lymph. Um, I wouldn't recommend anybody have a pokeberry because it's very, very strong. But um, basically, they, they are strong. They can be very potent. And even though it's just the berry, they can have a lot of chemical, uh, you know, constituents, phytochemicals that are very powerful. 
Yeah, she's, she, she told me to come back uh, within a week or two and I had the physical exam and it was just all gone, you know, like the swelling, the fever. And she said, what did you do? I'm just so happy for you. And she couldn't believe it. So I said, definitely, you know, if you do see somebody suffering like me for a whole nine months, you know, refusing a tonsillectomy, you know, definitely try to recommend that, you know, if you want, if you feel comfortable with that on the, you know, medical level. Yeah, yeah, that is certainly shocking. You know, it could sound super shocking, but it worked. So why not try it? Um, so what about your daughters? Your daughters didn't have a problem with the tonsillitis. So it was just you. Yeah, not at all. They were completely fine. Um, I, I don't know why it was me. It was just, it was, it was very odd. Like they would recover and it would happen after every new virus, like from kindergarten, you know, like kids don't wash their hands yeah, yeah. and they just like put their hands in the mouth. They were totally fine. Both of them. Thank God. Yeah. It was just, it was just me, how my body was reacting. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes adults, we handle viruses more poorly than kids, you know, like, those childhood illnesses, chicken pox, if you get them as an adult or measles, mumps, you know, things like that, it's much worse or more severe in adults usually. So our immune uh, system, our immune, uh, specifically like our immune system seems to like either overreact or like, you know, go into hyperdrive and maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's specifically like kids viruses. Like I worked at the mm -hmm. pharmacy and people came to the pharmacy, coughed all over me and sneezed all over me. And I never got sick, you know, and I was like, it, it's, and a lot of people say it's specifically like kids viruses that really affect us very differently. Yeah, that's certainly another uh, excellent area of research we can go into. Yeah. But um, yeah, unfortunately, we don't have time for that. We're uh, about to wrap up. So would you mind going into a last minute rapid fire round? Sure, let's do it. Okay, so what's your number one advice? For people to improve their quality of life right now yeah that's a great question um know your past medical history know what you're up against don't wait till you're a certain age to start dealing with something that you know runs in your family for example diabetes or hypertension start exercising now read all your food labels uh decrease your sugar content salt content we say salt is the silent killer Try to exercise. I know everyone's super busy right now with school from home and everything going on. Make the time to exercise because every day we have amazing uh, studies every day that we're learning new things about how exercise can impact your health. So be aware, know your family medical history, um, eat berries, you know, eat more, um, whatever berries, raspberry, uh, blackberries, they have so much antioxidants, vitamin C, and even right now for COVID kind of give yourself that immune boost and try to cook more and avoid processed foods. That was a lot, but I wanted to share all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of those are great. And actually, um, the episode right before you, I interviewed doc, uh, Dr. Marilena Gritani. And okay. She just took, she's a pharmacist who took an, an initiative and she built her own like virtual health summit called oh. Control of Your Own Health. Wow. So her platform is all about like advocating and doing like that patient advocacy piece and educating patients like before there's a problem to know what to do and how to handle situations and like moving through the healthcare system. And that's huge. I think prevention, if we stress and put more money in prevention, I think we can save so much money and so many lives and just overall, you know, improve quality of life for a lot of patients instead of saying, oh, what do I do now when it's hard to reverse everything? Yeah, absolutely. Like we should focus more on that education piece and prevention piece before it becomes a problem. 
that way we won't have to spend like billions of healthcare dollars later in order to fix all the problems. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So question number two, what do you like to do for fun? Yeah, I love gardening and I love the beach. Those are my two favorite things. So we are actually, um, right now we're not as gardening as much, but we still have tomatoes and cucumbers and we spend a lot of time out there with the kids and we actually inspire some of our neighbors to do that. We were like one day digging and planting and everything and, um, and our neighbors also starting garden and the beach. Uh, if I can get a garden on the beach, that would be my favorite hobby ever. <laughs> yeah, those three, that would be a challenge to intermingle those. Um, all right, and question three, uh, what's your favorite beverage to drink? Yeah, I actually have it right here. I was drinking. Um, so this is peppermint from my garden and this is aronia berries or choke berries and some lemon um, and any berries. I didn't have many other berries today, but we get a bunch of berries water fused, and I'm trying to drink a lot more water and sometimes you know you get sick of just plain water and you don't want to drink soda or you know process things and it has such a fresh flavor and it's so healthy literally the peppermint the mint uh, the berries to give you that vitamin C and it, it definitely uh, I don't know if it's just me but it gives me a lot more energy so that that's definitely my own favorite drink that I make myself <laughs> yeah also if you chew on like a leaf of peppermint i do yeah appetite and yeah sweat, so i love it yeah it's like mint that's why people have mints after yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah and i just thought of another use for the aronia berry um i've seen it like powdered up and then used to like um for your own makeup if you, if you do that or like other types yeah of yeah so some of the makeup i use now it's um it's actually made from fruit and vegetables like that was the original makeup that was created the pigment from the berries like blackberries and aronia berries and um yeah years ago i switched to a lot of my makeup products to more natural again the pigment is like not man-made or lab-made it's from the fruit and actually smells like my mascara it smells like uh blackberries <laughs> oh wow yeah that's, that's an awesome use. i also have seen it from charcoal too so and charcoal yeah yeah all right well awesome and cocoa even cocoa powder yeah 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 all right yeah. yeah there's a lot more you know to this to this talk and discussion and like i really hope we keep in touch and um swap yeah. and ideas and gardening tips um but for now i just want to ask you um to kind of tell our listeners where they can find you and connect with you and reach out yeah, sure. So on YouTube, you can uh, search Lifted from the Scripts. That's the podcast coming on Instagram. I just joined. I know it's too late, but, um, you know, better, now. better late than never. And I did. <laughs> and um, I'm also on LinkedIn. And so please, you know, feel free to reach out, ask questions about anything. And I hope you guys will check out the podcast and, you know, find benefit in it and get some inspiration, motivation, and encouragement from it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and inspiring and uplifting. Um, I'll have all the, you know, links to your social media and podcast in our show notes. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. And I truly hope you enjoyed the show. If you learned something new from it, I would really appreciate if you can give us a five-star rating and a sincere review so that more people 
can find it across the podcast platforms. To get in touch with me, please go on rawfork.com or email me directly at marina at rawfork.com. Take good care and I'll see you back here next week.